Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Something happened when we went from 2016 to 2017. This is a year of soberness. This is a year of seriousness. This is the year that we get about the Father's business like never before. So, so this series that we're starting, that we started the year off with, please don't take it as a ho-hum, please. In order to fulfill what God has called the church, not just new beginnings, that means every single member of the body of Christ, and when, you, when I talk about the body of Christ, that might sound like a religious term to you. What I'm saying is every single person that belongs to the family of God, every single individual that's ever asked Jesus Christ to become their Lord and Savior, every person that has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them needs to step into their purpose. You see, because we have an enemy who's very purposed. And the enemy knows his purpose, that he's come to rob, kill, and destroy. Jesus told us that. And so every single individual in God's kingdom has got to step in their purpose. Everything else has to be secondary. Are you listening? Now I want to start tonight off with a quote from a book written by Pastor Rick Warren, a book that's been very, made very, very popular all over the world. And that book is A Purpose Driven Life. I'm sure many of you have read that. Here's a quote that I want to start tonight off with. This is part two of our series, Discovering Your Purpose. The search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin at the wrong starting point, ourselves. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for my future? But focusing on ourselves will never reveal our life's purpose. If you would have asked me what do I want to do when I was in my 20s, I would have never said, oh, you know, I'm going to be a pastor of a church one day in Bricktown. I would have said, well, I want to be a successful businessman. I want to be able to, you know, give my family a really good life. And, and uh, I want to be able to, uh, to help people and, and things of this nature. This was never in my... So, so when you ask yourself that question apart from God, what do I want to do in my life? If it's a self-centered viewpoint, we're always going to come up with the wrong answers. And that's why some people get what they want. I was one of those people. I got my dream, but my dream turned out to be a nightmare. It's the truth. My dream was to get into the restaurant business and you know, become a big restaurant person and a caterer and be able to cook awesome food and you know, throw all kinds of awesome parties for people. And God gave me that dream, and that dream, he let me see, was not the right one for me. And some of us are still holding on to dreams that you need to let go of. Because that dream is going to turn out to be a monster. I always had that picture in my head, that the thing that I wanted to do would, would turn the, the, the business and the whole idea of being a, an entrepreneur. And, you know, we started buying properties and things of that nature. And all of a sudden, in, in a dream one day, the Lord showed me that that, thing, that whole thing just turned into a dragon and was chasing me. We want to know why we're here on earth. We desire to know our unique purpose. Instinctively, we all know on the inside there's a deeper reason for us being here. We're not just here to suck oxygen. 
Somebody once said this, a real quick review from last weekend. Somebody once said there are two great days in a person's life. The day we are born and the day we discover why. I pray that through this series, many of us discover why. Ephesians 2.10, you gotta understand that we have a savior who gave his life for us so that you and I would be able to step into God's purpose. Not our purpose, God's purpose. Don't ever settle for less because it cost him all that suffering on Calvary so that Ephesians 2.10 could become a reality in our lives. For we are God's masterpiece. Turn to somebody, say hello, masterpiece. masterpiece. Some of us don't feel like a masterpiece. Some of us feel like a Van Gogh right now. (laughs) For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we, here's the reason why, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Key word there, he planned. Last week we talked about one of the major excuses that we allow to rob us of our purpose is that lie that God doesn't care about us, he's mad at us, he really doesn't, you know, he's a far off God. And we know, last week we covered all that, and if you weren't here, please go listen to the message or watch it online. And so last week we started out part one with what does God think about me? And I think it was a pretty impacting message. Uh, I would advise you to go listen to it again. I can't obviously go through the whole thing. And we let the word of God speak to us last weekend and tell us exactly from the scriptures what God has to say about us. Not some man, man's traditional viewpoint of something and, you know, painted with all kinds of things that are unscriptural. We let the word of God speak to us, and so I advise you to please go listen to that. As last week we started out with, what does God think about me? Now, I could wrap up the whole, part, all of part one from last week with just one scripture. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. I know it's a scripture, so many people. It's probably one of the first, when I, when I got born again 32 years ago, you know, the big thing was to have plaques all over your house and you know, all kinds of posters and things that remind you of the word of God. And maybe we need to do that again so some of us have the word of God before our eyes continuously. But I remember one of the very first ones I ever purchased was like one of these, you know, like you have the little string thing and the little wooden bar and it has the, you know, the cloth thing. Everybody, who, who remembers those things? You know, and, and it was Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. See, this is contrary completely to what the world says about God. The world says about God that God just got it in for you. He's angry at you. Because you're a sinner. <laughs> so stay as far away from as you can. But the truth of the matter is, God says, For I know the thoughts I think toward you. They're thoughts of peace, of shalom, of completeness, and not of evil, to give you a future and hope. Do you realize that when Jesus was walking on the earth, he despised, he hated seeing someone's life out of order. He's the prince of peace. The prince of the prince of shalom. Completeness. Hold this. And so when he came across somebody who was not whole, he did whatever was necessary to make sure that they were whole, their lives were complete. And so he says, I know the thoughts I have for you, the thoughts to make you complete, to give you shalom and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Last week's takeaway was, in other words, the most important message, the most important thought we could leave with last week 
was the question, why is it important for us to discover and walk in our God-given purpose on earth? Why is that important? Why can't we just flow through life? Why is it important for us to step into our purpose and make sure that we're fulfilling that purpose as much as possible? And the answer is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth in Greece, to the church that was there, to the people there. And he, and he said this, and we're picking up in the middle of a conversation here. He said in verse 9, so we make it our goal to please him, he's talking about God, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. In other words, whether I'm dead or alive, or dead or, or, or here, if I'm here on earth, or if, if I'm dead, whatever I'm doing, I, I want to please him. Here's verse 10. Here's the reason why. And here's the reason why you need to step into your purpose, and the reason why you need to stay in that purpose. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In other words, we, 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 and this is something, man, I don't know what it is about us Christians. We don't want to talk about this kind of stuff. We want to, even though we're Christians, we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit live inside us, we love God, we love Jesus, we, we love the Holy Spirit, we want to be about the Word of God, but we don't want to think about eternity. We want to think that we just live our life here and just whatever happens, happens. And after all, God loves us. And he does. Yes, right? But we're all going to stand before Jesus, the head of the church. Now, now again, let me clarify this because people get nervous. Everybody gets knots in their stomach when you mention the word judgment. This is not the place where it's decided whether you go to heaven or hell. In fact, that place isn't even in heaven. The place where it's decided whether you go to heaven and hell is here. You decide that while you're still in this body. By the time you leave this body, there's, there's no more choice to be made. And so by virtue of the fact that we're standing in front of him, we should have some peace. We made it. Tell turn to somebody and say, if we're there, we made it. But this is a place where what we did with our lives here on earth is going to be evaluated. And we're not going to be you're not going to be judged according to my life. I'm not going to be judged according to yours. I'm going to be judged according to the plan that God had for me and how close I came to it or how far away I missed it. But it's not a judgment of like, you totally blew it. Get out of here. It's a judgment of rewards. And so what's that going to be based on? Did you walk in your purpose? Jesus is going to lay out before us, look, I had a plan for your life. And to whatever degree we accomplish that plan will be the rewards that we receive. And so it's extremely important that we walk in the light of purpose, God's purpose, not ours. And this year, as we talked about a few weeks ago on New Year's weekend, for New Beginnings Christian Church, this year is the year that we get our eyes on eternity, that we become so much more aware of what's going on in the realm of the spirit, more than we're aware of what's going on in our surroundings. All of us in this room are very, very familiar with what's going on in our lives. You know, somebody, somebody how are you doing? Boy, it all spills out. How, how am I doing? Here it comes. We're very much aware of what's happening around us, very much aware, you know, oh, you should see what I'm going through, my job and my kids and my wife and my husband. We're very aware of that. And sometimes we're too much aware of that and too little aware of what's happening just beyond the veil, just on the other side of this realm. And so God needs us to step into that purpose. 
And one thing I want you to consider, and I pray that maybe tonight's net message or as we get now into part two, what's blocking you? What's stopping you? Is it a mindset? Is it a, a life controlling habit, addiction? Is it, is it about words that have been spoken over your life that seem to paralyze you from the time that you were a child? What's blocking you? It's not God. And sometimes it's not even the enemy. Sometimes it's just us. Sometimes we just can't get out of our own way. Some of us, because of failures that we've suffered in the past, suffer from now a fear of another failure. And so we draw back because we've been burned and God wants to deliver us from all of that junk. And I pray that before we're done with this series in a couple of weeks, that many of us, if not all of us, step out of those places of paralysis and step out into the purpose, the purpose. Amen? Amen. Now, when we discover the purpose for our lives, we step into the realm where anything is possible. And trust me, I know what I'm talking about. When, we, when, when I stepped into the ministry, when I stepped, I shouldn't even say it that way. When I stepped into the call of God on my life, we stepped into the realm of the miraculous like I'd never seen before. And believe me, we'd seen some miraculous in those years but prior to that. I've seen miracles in my family with my children, miracles uh, in my, with my wife, myself, physically, emotionally, financially. But when we stepped into the call, it was like we went from one room to another. We went from one realm to another. And it seemed like faith just, just, just totally went from, I can't explain it more than like a power surge. When you step into your purpose, there's a level of possibility, there's a level of faith, there's a level of anointing. You know what anointing means? The presence of the Holy Spirit on your life that you don't step into outside of that purpose. Now that's not just for the ministry. That's for anyone. When you're stepping into your purpose, you step into the power of God. So remember last week the question was, what does God think of me? Now the next question we need to ask is on this road to us discovering our purpose, is what has he done for me that will enable me to accomplish my purpose? In other words, how has he equipped me? You see, since God is good and faithful father, I want you to listen to this closely. Since he is, I didn't say if he is, I said since God is a good and faithful father who passionately wants us to discover our purpose, then we should expect to find within the very word of God the very equipment that's needed for us to fulfill that purpose. There is an equipping. You haven't, been, you haven't been thrown into this life as an orphan. You haven't been thrown into this life without the tools. And if there's one thing about a good father, he, and he is a good, good father, any good father will go out of his way and do everything possible to give his children the tools that they need to succeed. So what has he equipped us with? Let me just go through a few things and then I want to come at you from a different angle. 
Because, you know, and I'm going to read a list of things here, and many of you are going to go, oh, I know that. Just hold on. Just hold on. All right, what's he done for us? How has he equipped me? Number one, he has redeemed us. If he only did that for us, we should be happy full of eternity. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, according to the riches of his grace. Thank God for the grace of God and for the richness of the grace of God. Peter called it manifold grace. I don't know about you, but I need grace in every area of my life. You might not. You may be even better off than I am. I need manifold, manifold, manifold. I need, my, I need, I need God's grace to be, it can be applied to any area of my life. He paid the price for us to receive both redemption and forgiveness. His blood was the price that was pray, paid to gain freedom from our slavery. You see, you, you can't step into purpose if you're a slave. Nobody on earth can ever say, well, my purpose is to be a slave. No, no, that's contrary to creation. God never created any of us to be slaves. He created us to be servants. He created us to have a heart of a servant. But he never created any of us to live in slavery. And so we thank God that, first of all, he's redeemed us. Number two, he's blessed us. And I don't mean blessed, you know, that kind. I mean blessed. When a person is blessed, that means they have some things they either have, they have a combination of things within them to pour out to others. They may be blessed with abilities, may be blessed with giftings, may be blessed with the ability to inspire people. But also blessed with resources and things of that nature. Ephesians chapter one, verse three, and it's amazing how most of these things I'm talking to you about, you're gonna find in the book of Ephesians. Why? Ephesians is a letter that's written to the church to explain to the church what the church is all about. I think one of the first things that a person should read after they're born again, number one, the Gospel of John. Number two, Ephesians and Colossians. Because Ephesians and Colossians tells us who we're all about now. So, in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, and I want you to pay attention to this, and if you're, if you're a steady attendee here, remember, you hear me refer to this every once in a while, because to me, this is one of the most explosive promises in the Word of God. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and here's the part that I love, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Please don't let that just fly over your head. Because so many of us as Christians strive for something that we already have. We strive for something we already have been given. It says here that the true reality in the realm of the Spirit is this, that God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. That's why it's important for us to be familiar with that realm. He has blessed us already. We've received salvation. We've been adopted as his children. We've been forgiven. We've received the promise to serve God and do his will, the power that goes with it. We received the gifts of the Spirit. They're there for us. We can enjoy these blessings now because we have an intimate relationship with him. Spiritual blessings in heavenly realms means that these, listen, listen, this is important. Spiritual blessings in heavenly realms means that these blessings are eternal. They're not temporal. They're not temporary. They're eternal blessings. Now, what does blessed mean? Some people like to translate it empowered to prosper. When we're blessed, we're empowered to prosper. Now, most of us may not understand and maybe our purpose is slipping from us 
because we don't understand the way things operate in the kingdom of God. You see, when you're blessed in the kingdom of God, you're not blessed just for you. When you're blessed in the kingdom of God, God started way out in the book of Genesis and told Abraham, I'm blessing you to be a blessing. Some of us don't step into our purpose because we think the blessing's all about us. It's only for me, it's only for me, it's only for me, it's only for me. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And we don't understand that God has, no matter what purpose you step into, it's, this is one thing that's common ground with every single purpose, every single area you can walk in. No matter what your calling is, no matter what your vocation, your profession, no matter how God's going to use you, it always comes down to this. Whatever he gives you is for somebody else. We get to enjoy it. But some of us need to practice our enjoying giving it away. Are you listening? Number three. We're talking about what are the things he's done for us that enable us to walk in purpose. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. Do you understand what this means? We have, unless you've really been hit with darkness, I guess you won't understand it. And trust me, I've had my, I think I had three lifetimes full already. To be delivered from the power of darkness it's like somebody rescued you out of a dark room and you were getting beat up all the time by something you couldn't see Amen. and had no power to fight back with. Amen. And he came and delivered you Amen. and delivered me from the power of darkness. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For he has rescued, I love the way this is written this way, New Living Translation. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and did what? Transferred us. We got deported from one kingdom back to where we're supposed to be. The kingdom of, 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 the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. We have been given power. So because we've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, we've been given power over the kingdom of darkness. Now one more thing I want to share with you that we almost never talk about. And that is this. That he delivered, from all of, he delivered us from all darkness. He forgave us. He redeemed us. But the one thing we almost never talk about is stability. Because you and I cannot step into our purpose. And we, once you step into it, you can't stay in it unless there's stability. Psalm, Psalm 40 verse 2 says this. He lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I remember when I, remember when I, was, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, a young teenager, um, one of our family members' family had one of those big houses up in Seabright. How many are familiar with Seabright? Seabright Beach up there, in, uh, Atlantic Highlands, Seabright, that area. And Seabright is that little strip of sand between the Navasink River, I believe it is, and the Atlantic Ocean, okay? Usually floods over, drizzles, flood. <laughs> And so there's that big seawall there. You know the seawall that's along the, uh, the, the highway? I guess that 36? 
36 there, Highway 36. Well, when I was a young teenager, we spent a lot of time there. And we, I would climb over that seawall and be great, because on one side, it's easy to climb. And most of the time, they have, you know, that particular family had, you know, a set of stairs that you climb over. They had little platforms so you could watch the ocean. But then when you get on the other side, it's all well and good until you want to come back. Because you see, most of the time, the ocean is slapping right up against that wall. And so seaweed has built up over there. And this scripture here takes me back to that trying to climb those rocks. And it seemed like no matter how you tried to cling, you just slide right back, that sliminess. That's a, and that's what life was like before Jesus. But it says that he, he, he lifted me out. Now lifted me out means I don't even have to try to climb. He lifted me out. Because I tried to climb out of that pit so many times on my own, just like you, and just find myself sliding right back down again. But then the day came when he lifted me up. And took me. And not only lifted me up out of that, but the moment, more importantly, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. That part I love. A firm place to stand. Because you see, once you get in your purpose, the enemy of your soul is going to try to come to pull you out of that purpose. And if you're, not, if, you're not, if you're not very aware of the firm place that you have in Christ, you can get pulled out and find yourself striving again, wandering again. So, I'm very grateful for all that the Lord's done for us. I'm very grateful for the equipping that he's placed in us. But there is one major gift that God has done for us and given to us that the enemy has blinded the majority of mankind from seeing. That gift is our heart. Your heart. I'm not talking about the physical pump. See, the Bible refers to the heart as the center of our being, the core of our being, the core of who we are. It's the decision maker. It's the very generator of faith. It's where faith comes from. Romans chapter 10 verse nine says this, and I want you to listen to this closely. Uh, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's an awesome truth. He doesn't say if you do everything right. He doesn't say if you give all your money away to, to the church. He doesn't say if you climb the highest mountain, swim in the deepest sea. He doesn't say any of those things. He said, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. What does that mean? You're going to heaven. But look at verse 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. One translation puts it, in, it says it this way. For, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. So the heart, our heart, that core of our being is an extremely important thing. Now, I want you to understand this. I want you to follow me very closely because I want us to really leave tonight grasping this truth. See, the heart was the place that man suffered the worst damage from sin. It became cold. It became hard. It became separated from God's heart. Adam and Eve, when they turned and decided to turn away from God and to follow after Satan, their heart then separated from the heart of the Father. They no longer had the same interests that he had. It no longer beat with the same passion that the Father had. When sin came into the world, the human experience 
Our intimacy with God was no longer natural. When, 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 when sin came in, it became part of our experience. Adam and Eve, the very first thing they suffered was intimacy, lack of intimacy. They could no longer communicate with God face to face. Blood had to be shed. It was no longer free anymore. Somebody, something had to pay. Something had to die if you were going to come into God's presence after that point. The relationship suffered. Man's heart became subject to fear. Did you realize that? I know if you've been here for, for any length of time, you've heard me teach on this at length. The very first reaction of man to sin was fear. And it totally, totally traumatized him because he'd never experienced fear before. Fear was an unknown thing. It was an unknown factor of life. It didn't exist in their lives until sin came in. And so the question, where are you, Adam, was met with, I hid myself or I was afraid. See, when Adam lost his heart, mankind lost our purpose. Now, look at it from God's viewpoint. Could you imagine what God must have felt like? Can you imagine what God must have felt like when he heard his creation say, I was afraid, knowing that he didn't create us to experience fear? We're, not supposed to, we're never supposed to experience fear. We're supposed to experience respect for him, awe of him, but we're never supposed to experience fear that comes from sin and fear that opens up the door for the enemy. It wasn't supposed to be. Then Christ came, thank God. The Lamb of God sacrificed himself so the two, God and men, could become one again. And everything became new again. I want you to follow me here now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Now, most of us have completely missed the truth about the new birth. None of us would say that 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is not true. It's true. The old is gone. The new has come but we miss the completeness, the wholeness about the new birth. We believe that we're, we're born again. We believe that our spirit has come alive unto God, but watch this, but we kept our heart in the Old Testament. I even taught this junk years ago. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And people would say, well, you know, God knows my heart. And I go, yeah, Jeremiah 17. I wouldn't brag about God knowing your heart because our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are evil. Now, that was true in the Old Testament. But we even had a promise before Jesus was born that it was going to change. Ezekiel 36, 26 says this. God, the Holy Spirit, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, wrote this. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. I love the way that translates it. Some translations say pliable. I think about my grandchildren with Play-Doh. And they play, as long as they keep it in the can when they're done with it, 
As long as they put it back in and it's not all over, you know, Nanny's kitchen floor. As long as it's kept moist. As long as it's contained. As long as it's sealed from the outside environment, it stays pliable. And that's exactly, in the original language, the picture that God is wanting us to see. I'm giving you a new heart. I'm going to give you a heart. Your heart right now is stony. It's hard. But I'm giving you a heart that's pliable in my hands. A heart that's responsive. See, please grasp this truth tonight. The enemy really doesn't care if we go to heaven. Once you're born again, there's nothing else he can do. But what he desperately wants to stop is that you and I realize that our heart has been made alive again. A heart that's tender and responsive. But you need to protect it. Just like that Play-Doh, you need to make sure that it's contained. You need to make sure that it's not exposed to things that are going to cause damage. And that's why Proverbs 4.23 is so alive to us now. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now we have a heart that's been fully restored to the Father. It's alive to Him. It's responsive to His voice. If we allow Him, He will direct our hearts into purpose. He created us to be complete. And again, I bring back to you Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has recreated us in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things He planned long ago. So I want to put it this way, so that we can be responsive to the voice of the Father. We can respond, we can relate to, we can be directed by, we can be guided by Him. We, he can steer us, not only into the purpose, but into the fulfillment of that purpose. Let me just take a minute, please. I just want to finish this up here. See, God is pleased and His heart is fulfilled when we walk in our purpose and when we're firmly reconnected to God. There is a, a, a person that lived in the very first century, actually beginning of the second century. Just, he was born only a few decades after the Apostle John died. And this is what he wrote. His name is Saint Irenaeus. The glory of God is man fully alive. See, if you're, if you're walking on this earth and you're going to heaven, you're born again. You have the Holy Spirit live inside you, but if you do not realize that God promised to give us a new heart, if you're not walking with the reality that you have a new heart, yeah, but Pastor, I'm still struggling with this. No, no, that's what you're experiencing. Don't mix up what you're experiencing with spiritual truths. If you judge your life by what you're experiencing, you'd walk away and say the Bible's not true. The reality is this, and this is what you have to tell yourself, and this is what you have to tell your heart. You're new. You have been recreated in Christ Jesus in order for me to do good things that God planned long ago. Because when, when the old stuff starts creeping up, the old wounds, the old hurts, the old, the old offenses, the old patterns of thinking that are trying to tell you, no, 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 you might be going to church and maybe you're carrying a Bible or you got it on your phone and you're saying all kinds of spiritual things to people, but on the inside. When that voice comes of accusation, that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
That is the voice of your enemy. And you better treat that voice just like you would if you turned around and a mugger was following you with a knife in his hand. Get away from that. Turn around and tell him, get lost or I'm going to give you worse beating than you ever got in your life. The devil does not want us to walk in the reality that we actually have received a new heart. And that heart desires to follow God. It's a heart that beats with his desires. It's a heart that is no longer brittle with hardness, but tender and responsive to him. And not only responsive to him, but responsive and touched by the needs of others. Do you recognize that almost every great miracle that Jesus did when he was on the earth was because compassion rose up in him? It says he was touched with their infirmities. He, he was impacted by their condition. One of the things I remember my wife saying to me after I got born again, she said, what happened to you? You got stupid. <laughs> she didn't mean it in a bad way. She said, you got naive. What happened? She said, you used to be so sharp, so smart. Nobody ever got over on you. Since you got born again, and basically it was in response to a stupid thing that I did do because I felt sorry for some people and I took money that we really needed and gave it to this family because they had no electric in their house. And then I found out later there was a good reason why they had no electric in their house because they were blowing all their money on things that they shouldn't have been blowing the money on. And so my wife had a very, it was a very real concern. But, but, but see what happened, my heart changed. I kind of, you know, you know when people are getting over on you. Come on, let's not be stupid here. But it's like now, it's like, even though you know it, it's like, well, you know, I'm not doing it for them, I'm doing it for the Lord. And so your heart's responsive, not only to God, but your heart is touched for people. It's all part of not having a stony heart. It's all part about having a heart that's pliable. So look, I want us to leave tonight with this takeaway. And I'm taking this quote from a book that I read. This one, one of the most powerful books I've ever read in my life. And it's by the author John Eldridge. And the book is called The Waking the Dead. The story of your life is the story of one long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. Man, isn't that the truth? We've been given a new heart, but we also have been given the responsibility to protect that new heart. We have an enemy who desires to expose that new heart to trash, to filth, to bitterness, to unforgiveness. He wants us, he wants us to justify holding offenses against one another because he knows that that's what will affect, that's what it takes to affect our purpose. So I, 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 I admonish you, I encourage you, as I encourage myself. Let's recognize that when things come at us, and they're always going to come through people, there's nothing else for it to come by. Let's recognize who's really behind it, and recognize that it's an attempt to sabotage our heart. One last statement I want to read to you. To find God, you must look with all your heart. To remain present to God, you must remain present to your heart. 
To hear his voice, you must listen with your heart. To love him, you must love him with all your heart. You cannot be the person God meant you to be, and you cannot live the life he meant you to live unless you live from your new heart. Amen? Amen. Let's hold on to this tonight. Father, I thank you for tonight. I pray, God, that you'll continue, Father, to minister this word to us, this message tonight. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person in this room, every person that's going to be watching this online or listening to it, that you help us, Father God, to discover the truth that we've been given a new heart in the new birth. We thank you for it, Father. We appreciate it, Lord. We know that it cost Jesus tremendous suffering to fulfill that promise in Ezekiel. Now, Lord, we pray that for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to keep our heart, to guard it, as it says in Proverbs chapter four. Because, Lord, the condition of our heart is going to determine the condition of our life. So we trust you, Father, for your grace. We trust you for the equipment through the Holy Spirit, Father. And we thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.